Hey, I'm Cindy Pitts-Gilbert, and this is the Dear Sister Know-It-All podcast. I've spent years learning, researching, and working with all types of natural health and wellness practitioners to learn how to eliminate all the bad stuff and add all the good stuff to make my life as healthy and happy as humanly possible. Now I'm sharing all that research with you, including interviews with experts in their field of alternative, holistic, and natural health and wellness. My goal, to demystify and simplify everything in natural health and wellness. Hi, this is Cindy Pitts-Gilbert with the Dear Sister Know-It-All podcast, and I'm here today with Claire Horner of Atlanta Shrink is hired to shrink problems associated with sexual trauma and relationship distress. In the last 15 years, she has joined with individuals, couples, and group members seeking relief. Claire believes that we experience grief, trauma, life transitions, and relationship distress that our systems go offline. It is as if they are locked. Our mental, emotional, and physical states stop being able to work together. Counseling and therapy provide a place to cope, heal, and grow in ways that unlock those systems so that we can once again have choices for the future. Hi, Claire. Hi. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Claire and I have known each other for years and years and years, and I have wanted her to do this show from the very beginning, so I've been trying to talk her into this for the last two years. Really? Yeah, you didn't think it'd been that long. I know (laughs) time flies when you're getting old like us, right? It does. You have Atlanta Shrink is, you know, kind of that phrase that most psychologists don't like to be called. So why did you come up with the name Atlanta Shrink? Well... The Atlanta part is obvious because that's where we are. And I just thought it was kind of funny, to be quite honest. Kind of like Sister Know It All. Yeah. It makes people laugh. It does. See, we have so much in common. (laughs) It makes me laugh. (laughs) And then I love the association with shrinking problems and concerns. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that when I was reading all your bio stuff. That's really interesting. This is a natural health and wellness show. Right. But I wanted a psychologist on here because to me, working on mental issues, and working on how to make the brain happier is a big part of natural healing. Absolutely. So I thought you were just a given that you had to be on the show. So talk about that just a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that because um, we miss the brain aspect and the nervous system aspect so much when we're thinking about mental and emotional health. You know, we're not taught how to interpret our emotions and how to use them. And, and that's why we people in my chair talk about feeling so much. And we're trying to balance it out. We talk about thoughts and physical sensations and all of that so much when we're growing up. But we didn't, don't get so much training on the emotions. And all of them are working together. And the brain is part of all of that. I think a lot of times, especially... If- my genre, my age group was told, you know, don't cry about that or I'll give you something to cry about. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of that, you know, don't show your emotions. And then, you know, boys were taught, don't cry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I get that, that, you know, you suppress your emotions. I mean, I kind of even do it a little bit now because I don't want to make anybody feel bad because I feel bad. Mm. You know, so if I'm like, you know, the kid moved out. So it made me a little sad. And I've been doing a whole lot of cleaning, <laughs> whole lot of cleaning. <laughs> Which has been very helpful because uh-huh. I just like to keep my mind busy, so so I don't have to see a shrink. <laughs> well, you could just address it head on and clean it out quickly. Yeah, well, I'm there's lots out. of ways. You know, I'm a firm believer that there's lots of ways to heal ourselves, to grow, and all of that. It doesn't always mean talk therapy, but it's 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 helpful for a lot of people. 
you know, I deal a lot with trauma and the language center is one of those things in the brain that shuts down with trauma. So talk therapy plus trauma work is kind of tricky in that way. So I see that. So have you had somebody that came in that had trauma that wouldn't speak? Yeah, I mean, on various levels. I mean, it's it's amazing how much the language center shuts down. I mean, we don't need it. When we go into crisis mode, our body shuts down any system it doesn't need. Just make my legs work so I can run, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, you're absolutely right. Right. Absolutely. And so to get it back online and to be able to put things into words takes time. It takes building that, that pathway again. Besides the fact that some trauma happens before we even have language. True. You know, plenty of babies and, and kids before they even have a concept of language to describe anything go through that. And so it teaches the language center how to not help in a sense. And so there's... That's so interesting that you say that because I was listening to a, another podcast yesterday mm-hmm. and the gentleman that was being interviewed was in World War II mm-hmm. as an infant. Mm. And he doesn't remember anything, yeah. but he talked at great length about how being born and being a baby mm-hmm. in World War II and the aftermath, how it affected his adult life and made him make bad choices. And I'm like, right. really, you know, that had never really occurred to me. It's like, whatever happens when you're a baby, you forget, you're not going to mm-hmm. remember. Maybe that's why I'm so needle phobic. <laughs> That's another phobia for another day. But you know, what's interesting about that, though, is that our bodies are with us when we go through those things. Yes. So our nervous system takes an imprint. So that's that's why things hang on so much. I want them to go away. Just be gone. (laughs) Be gone. Um, All right. So what are the top three things that we should learn from for better mental health and emotional health? How basically does our nervous system affect everything we do. Well, that's that's one of the key things is the nervous system. So to me, the nervous system is crucial to understanding our mental health. Our gut is important to knowing about our mental health and then our emotions. Okay, so nervous system, I'm thinking nerves. Yep. You know, you've got blood vessels and you've got nerves and mm-hmm. I've got one that's broken that doesn't make me think about my emotions. So how does nervous system touch on that a little bit. Okay. Well, since we already kind of touched on trauma, I'll go that direction for a second. Okay. So when somebody goes through trauma, whatever's happening in the moment, it's like, it's like on your phone when you press the button and it takes a, a snapshot. Right. That's what our body does when we're going through trauma. So it imprints on our nervous system and put all the, all of our muscles, our brain, everything has has taken a snapshot and it gets kind of stuck in there okay and so then the emotions help us to can help us to understand what's going on but we have to kind of listen to all of those systems at the same time let me say it maybe a little bit more simply I don't know if you've heard of gut brain yes but I don't know that I could tell you what it is so we have our you know our our brain in our head Well, they're, they're looking into how much our gut health is affecting our, our mental health. And so they're calling our colon and all of that system down there our gut brain because even the colon looks a little bit like the brain. If you think about it, it's, it's coiled. It's, it they is. Have, they look a little similar. They do. They look like broccoli. Yeah. And there's one key nerve that goes between the brain in our head and our gut brain 
which is the vagus nerve, and they talk to each other. I have just been reading about the vagus nerve. Yes. So, oh, let's talk about that a little okay. bit more. Yeah. All right. So the vagus nerve, I hurt my hand last year, so okay. uh, well, a couple of years ago, and severed a nerve mm-hmm. in my finger. And I couldn't feel any pain, mm-hmm. but there was blood and it was deep. And mm-hmm. I walked into the bathroom and I said to my husband, I need um, you to get something to clean up all this blood. Mm-hmm. I don't get queasy with blood. So I walked into the bathroom. I was just fine. And I sat down on the toilet, and all of a sudden, I felt like I was going to pass out. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what on earth? So I slid down to the floor. Yeah. And he kept saying, you know, you're going to have to get up. we got to wash your hands. And I said, just give me a minute. Right. Because I really felt like I was going to pass out. Uh-huh. I wasn't exactly nauseous. So when I got to the hospital, they said it was my vagus nerve, probably. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I don't understand enough about the vagus nerve mm-hmm. to know how that how that well most people (laughs) uh, yeah yeah and most people at this point have heard of fight flight freeze yes and and so the vagus nerve when something happens is what gets tripped for that yeah but you can you can actually access it by putting your tongue on the roof of your mouth that's what i was reading yeah something about and then it travels all the way down it wraps around and goes all the way into your gut okay is that why people sometimes will throw up Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually all the way down to your stomach. Right. You know how possums freeze. Freeze. Exactly. Play play possum. Exactly. (laughs) Most animals will do that in some sort of way. Okay. And what's happening there is they have tripped their own vagus nerve, and shut down all their systems so that they appear dead. Interesting. Okay. I've never really thought about it. I thought they just did it on purpose and pretended to be dead. They do, but that's how they do it. Okay. And so when we go through something intense, our vagus nerve gets tripped. Okay. Now it can get tripped and kind of stay off in the off position. So a lot of my trauma clients will have a lot of gut issues, digestion, IBS, um, a lot of inflammation, a lot of, um, you know, fibromyalgia and things like that are deeply associated. I totally believe that your emotions and all the things and your stress mm-hmm. affects your physical body health. I yeah. mean, people who are negative all the time, for example, mm-hmm. anybody who's negative ends up being sick. They just do. Mm. They spend so much time in themselves. Have you ever noticed that? Mm-hmm. Or do you, I guess, yeah. you have the same kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it... There's so much body connection. I mean, if you think about just about any emotion, we have a physical reaction. If you get angry, your blood pressure goes up, you get hot, you're, you know, you might sweat, you might, your body's going to get tense, you might clench your fists. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very physical. It is. But we don't tend to interpret it back the other way and think that, oh, my blood pressure's rising. Oh, I'm getting hot. Maybe I should try to regulate that. (laughs) Until you learn that being able to regulate your nervous system actually helps your emotions. And we, can, we, have, we have the ability to regulate that and to feel better. I agree. And you teach them how to do it. I do. All right. So you and I have experimented. Well, I experimented. You know what you're doing. <laughs> I experimented with you and a couple other times with some other people on um, EFT or emotional freedom technique. Right. So talk about that just a little bit. Okay. What is EFT? Emotion freedom technique or tapping is how it's often heard is a combination. This is the way I explain it. Other people may explain it very differently. 
But I feel like when we blend our emotions, our physical body, and our thoughts all together, when we're using all of that together, that we have the best possible ability to process things we've been through. Okay. Whether it's a car accident or loss of someone, a job change, you know, kid leaving the house, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, just all of those things, well, all I the way. about that. Yes, yeah. all of those things. And so it's a method that's used for physical pain all the way to emotional pain. And it's a way to, the tapping aspect is tapping on acupressure points. Now, if you don't believe in that, if that's not your thing, it looks really weird. It absolutely is weird. Let's it just, absolutely felt weird. It's um, absolutely weird. And then I did it again and again, you know, just playing with different and, and dip, meeting different people. And I, I will tell you that I ended up in front of a Alzheimer's caregivers group mm-hmm. talking about it. And I was standing there doing it and didn't even know I was doing it. And uh-huh. another way that it was explained to me is the there's a lot of science behind yeah, it. It was actually introduced to me years and years ago by somebody who came in to my coffee house that I used to own and told me about it. And then I, I heard that um, one of my family members was told to do it by their psychologist mm-hmm. And it's a family member that you would never think in a million years would be into anything weird, for sure. Yeah. Um, Type A personality, very professional, Mm -hmm. very, you know, corporate America. Cognitive. Yes. Um, And they were tapping. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. (laughs) So then I started realizing that there's really an amazing amount of science behind it and the energy in your body and rewiring your brain. And so I... I have huge respect for that. I just haven't been able to sit down and do it. I don't meditate well either. I My brain is always going. I need to practice with that a little bit more. Everything that we do for the first time or the first few times mm. can is, is new. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I've done it enough that I don't find it awkward or weird anymore. I mean, I'm busy doing podcasts. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it. Okay. I do have so like yeah four so books. so the body part of that is that think about it in terms of when you're tapping on certain parts of your body like for instance the temples beside your eyes mm-hmm. that you're activate you're just saying kind of hello to the brain okay it's kind of bringing the brain into you know the body into the into whatever you're thinking about or processing so for instance if I help somebody process a car accident we might start with what their fears and thoughts and like new triggers are. Like for instance, I was working with someone and, and brakes. Anytime they heard brakes now after a car accident, they would have a, that physical, physical reaction, reaction because their nervous system is like, yo, I'm back there. <laughs> and so when we started tapping, we started with the body, started with those emotions, and then found out that she had a belief that got born during the accident. The belief is when you hear brakes, you have a crash? I mean... Yeah, it wasn't that for her, but, you know, it might mean something different for each person. Okay. But a a meaning was created in that moment. And so anytime she heard brakes, it just rewind, repeat, rewind, repeat. And so we had to break that process. But the body has to break the process. The emotions have to break the process. The brain, the cognition, the thoughts have to break the process. And so to me, tapping brings all of those things together. 
And so sometimes, like in talk therapy, we might miss the body. If you go to a massage therapist, you might miss the emotions. Right. I mean, that doesn't really work that way. But <laughs> I always feel great when I go get a massage. Yeah. Except yeah. sometimes. My massage therapist is also a friend, and she'll beat me up pretty bad. So she'll dig that elbow in, and she's like, is this okay? Yes, it it's feels, okay. It feels, it feels wonderful. Right. <laughs> I definitely have found it to be useful and, yes, weird, but if people are willing to give it a shot, we usually start with something very basic just so they can kind of get over that weirdness. It's just a useful modality among all the other things. And if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. There you go. That's how I approach everything. Let's try it. Let's try it on. Like clothes. Yeah, you'll like it. (laughs) Or you might not. You might not. But, you know, there is a lot of science behind it. I've done a lot of reading about it. And it's been done with a lot of military coming back uh-huh. after the trauma of being people who are having PTSD. Imagine if they were taught before they left. Yes. <laughs> you know, but wait a minute. Let's talk about that. EFT to me has always been something to fix something. Mm. So you can do EFT before something. Sure. To prevent it from becoming something. I think so. You can tap. Huh. You can tap things out of your system and you can tap things into your system. Now, I have had some relief from pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I hurt my heel, was going through EFT, and um, that's what I got experimented on in a class full mm. of people. Luckily, I didn't know anybody because it made it more comfortable, I think. But she's like, okay, well, we'll pick on you. Who has pain? And I did feel a relief in the pain. Yeah. So I think that telling my brain to stop hurting worked. Mm. Mm. Even just acknowledging it exactly at the place it is. Acceptance is very underrated. And acceptance is not liking something. And it's not saying I'm going to give in to this for the rest of my life. It's just saying I am where I am. It's like on your phone when you've got to go somewhere and you pull up Waze or some map app, you have to tell it where you are in order to go anywhere. It's a really good analogy. So we all have to know exactly, exactly where we are. And tapping helps us figure that out and try to accept that exact thing. So Acceptance I might is really hard. It it can be. It can be, but it helps us move to the next place. I get you. Okay. I got you. Hey, we're going to stop right there and take a little break. Hi, this is Sister Know-It-All, and I am so excited to tell you guys about my Detox 120 program. The Detox 120 program is all about detoxing your entire life. So we're going to detox your home, your food, your body, and some of that stinking thinking. We're going to work on positive thoughts. If you'd like an invitation, send me an email to askme at sisterknowitall.com or just head on over to my website at sisterknowitall.com. Let's talk a little bit about an uncomfortable subject. Let's talk about incest in the home. Okay. Let's get really, and sexual assault, because you work with sexual trauma. I do. Um, And, um, you know, the Me Too movement is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, So so we've got sexual trauma in the home, and then we've got sexual trauma in the workplace. We've got sexual trauma happening all over the place. All over the place. Talk about how how you would deal with that i mean i i know you can't give us a whole session here sure and in, in a 45 minute <laughs> uh, podcast but well, if somebody is is dealing with sexual trauma or something in their past and they've been told to just squash it or they tried mm-hmm. to squash it because they didn't want to make waves why should they get therapy and how can it change their life well i'm going to say something that may be non-traditional <laughs> but you know me and i say a lot of non-traditional things I would say if it's not bothering you, don't mess with it. 
But how do you know but, if it's not bothering you? I mean, for example, you I know people who are not the most pleasant people to be around. And mm-hmm. maybe that's because. Exactly. But they don't think that it's any problem. I mean, I know people that are in complete denial that they're negative messes. But that doesn't mean that it's, that's not bothering them. But do they That know? is bothering them. Okay. But everyone, if, if it's not personally bothering you, then you're most likely not going to do anything about it anyway. That's true. Which is how we have the problem to begin with, in my opinion. Because it's cyclical. A lot of times it's cyclical. And a lot of times, especially if we're, if we're kind of go, going towards incest in the home, mental illness and addiction and alcohol, any kind of substance, is almost always present. And so if we get better at managing our self-understanding and taking responsibility for our own experiences and all of that, some of that's going to fix itself. I see. So like if someone has, let's say, um, I don't want to go too stereotypical, but let's say a mother has bipolar and treats that bipolar with drinking. Okay. And blacks out more days than not and doesn't know what she says or does. There are plenty of women out in the world sexually abusing their kids. Let's just be real about that. Okay. People don't typically think that a mother is abusing their child. But it happens way more than we think or people want to address. So in that situation, if she was attentive to her own needs, then and, and if we have more of a culture of responsibility for ourselves, then she might have hopefully taken care of that on the early side or no listen to other people when it came up or watched her own behavior and said wait a second this isn't right and a lot of times there's so much secrecy and privacy and behind closed doors that makes that system all work that um that that's why it gets missed the other the other population that i have to mention boys and men get abused all the time this is not this is not just women. Now, I would say they are different experiences and have to address that it's across genders across the spectrum. So there's lots of, there's lots of things that happen. But my, kind of my point in all of that is that if we're taking better care and understanding our mental health, then some of these things are going to fix themselves. So if I came to you for one addiction that might come up in therapy that that's why I developed that addiction. Yes. Because of some other thing or trauma that happened to me in my childhood. Exactly. Okay. And you may not even know it was there. You may have You blacked. may just be, yeah, the brain tries to take care of us. A lot of the times, a lot of times our brain tries to take care of us and locks things away. But most of the time, I can't tell you how many times I have people come to me between 35 and 45 and they've just had detailed memory recall and body memory recall or maybe even the body's remembered the whole time but pieces start coming together and making things make sense and a lot of times that's because I think it's just a theory I think that's because time of life like we get more settled in ourselves and then the kids if we're raising kids if they hit an age that we were abused then it tends to trigger that so a lot of things happen in that I've just seen it over the past 15 years. A lot of times between 35 and 45, there's a lot of, oh, my gosh, guess what happened? 
And then you have the family stuff and the denial. And, you know, most, most kids are threatened. So why would they say anything? That's very true. You used to work with younger people. And now you've moved to working with more couples. Adults only. And so I split my time. I can't do trauma all the time. You don't, you don't want me to work, be working with trauma all the time. You would be no fun. Claire would be no fun. <laughs> so I split my time between um, working with couples and, and working with trauma. And sometimes those blend, you know. Sometimes, I mean, I have, I have a couple where both were, went through severe trauma. And we didn't even make that connection until we got to diving into what the issues were and why they were responding the way they were and why they were fighting the ways in which they were fighting. So anyway, point being that that kind of crosses over sometimes. And then group therapy is kind of my, my love and my where I find helping people in a very specific way. It's just its own breed of therapy and has just helped so many people. So so those are my those are kind of my three things that I spend my time. You just mentioned group therapy. Do you do group therapy for people that have had trauma or do you do group therapy for just the couples? I I'm not doing couples groups yet. That's a kind of bucket list thing that's on the in the plan but I have three trauma groups and one it's called a process group and that's for adults who are just kind of working on whatever they're working on Um, maybe it's relationship stuff maybe it's assertiveness maybe it's personal acceptance maybe it's depression or anxiety and they come together and work with each other okay and then the other two groups are more trauma related. Yeah, the other three are trauma related, and they kind of there. There's one. The first one is more like a book club, and it's no commitment, and it's twenty five dollars, and it's every other week, and it's you know it's it's basically a book club where people who are going through their sexual trauma healing. It is gender inclusive, so they bring their material that they're reading or listening to, and it's called a reading room. And so we all read together. So we have a time of meditation. We all read together. And then we share what resources we're reading. We don't talk about specific traumas on any level. It's just kind of a place to come. And um, you may have an individual therapist. And your therapist may have said, hey, you need to read this book. And it's still sitting on the shelf or in your Kindle. They're usually books that will help you through whatever trauma you're going through. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of an intro group. And then I have an eight-week more of a skills and relationship building kind of um, sexual trauma group. And and then I have a long-term trauma group that's been going for three years. And um, I don't usually advertise for that because there, you have to have a lot of knowledge before you kind of come into that group. That's but the advanced trauma it is, group. It is. It now, is. do people ever leave therapy or do they stay with you forever? <laughs> I, yes, they leave therapy, <laughs> please. <laughs> and I say that because, you know, I, I am in the business of putting myself out of business. I should be in a place there's plenty where of business for you. <laughs> there is plenty. And you might, you know, if you think about it like a book, you might do different chapters, but I think of myself just like a personal trainer or your medical professional or your finance person, you know, I'm in that in that life support team is what I call it. Right. So if you get to know when and why you need me, then you know when to come back. So do you have to kick them out the door and say, you're, you're healed, you go home now, or do they typically graduate themselves? Both. Both. What do you find but more the, often? 
I think the kind of kicking out of the nest piece comes more with stretching out times that we meet and helping them to develop their support system so they're using other modalities and and using our time less and less but the core thing is that they start doing for themselves what I'm in the kind of the I'm the bridge we learn things we talk about things then they start asking themselves the same questions in their head as I'm asking them in session it should be in a sense temporary but it really depends on the situation so you're more than a moderator though you something I was reading about you you like to people what do people call you <laughs> my couples call me a translator that's it yeah yeah it didn't start with an m at all it was translator <laughs> they call you a translator. yeah my couples right. call me a translator because i listen to both sides and then i interpret between them and they may be talking english but they're really not and you're the love language expert so well i was gonna say um. <laughs> you know, you and, uh, claire and i did a love language class together uh, several years ago where we taught it because I needed an expert in, you know, psychology to kind of help me with it. And it was the, it was my first real introduction into teaching the love languages mm. and it became just a passion of mine. So mm-hmm. I, I believe that you can be happy. So if you've been yeah. married multiple times and yep. you don't want to keep doing that and you yep. want to change that, get that book. Yeah. It's a great, it's an excellent tool. But, you know, when I'm sitting with a couple and, you know, a lot of men are hesitant about coming to therapy, especially to a female for couples therapy, It's if, if it's a heterosexual couple, because they feel like I'm going to align with the female and we're just going to beat him up. And that's just not how it goes. <laughs> and the first time I interpret what he's saying in a way that makes sense to him. And there's usually a finger that comes out and and he usually points at me and he says, yes, that, that thing, what you just said, that's what I've been trying to tell her for the past 10 years. Oh, that's funny. You know, that moment is so empowering. And, and if, if their partner can be, can understand it in a different way, then they use it in a different way. But we almost always go to our partner in the same way with the same words, expecting them to hear it differently. And or it, not saying anything at all. Yes. And yes. expecting them to understand what we want. Do you have a past with that? I read. <laughs> I have a lot of friends. Yes. No. I mean, it, it, the love Absolutely. languages are Absolutely. because you're you're expecting people to understand what your need is. Yeah. From a you know, I my love language is time. If you don't spend time with me, yeah. I have a problem with that. But now I have learned not to say you don't spend any time with me. I say you know I could really use some of your time. Yes, it's a totally different perspective. Completely, and it doesn't come with as much shame. There is a lot of shame. Yeah, with having to you know why doesn't he want to spend any time with me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And shame on the other side of I'm doing it wrong all the time. Yeah, that to me kind of goes back to owning our own understanding of ourselves and our own mental and emotional health if I know that I need time or you know you need time in a particular type of time then you can say that now most people get into well if they love me they I shouldn't have to say it well guess what you have to say it, <laughs> you have to say it. at least for a while right. that's the thing about being together for a while if you say a bunch of stuff at the beginning then they get to know you then you don't have Imagine to say that. it as much. A husband and wife, <laughs> 
or a husband and husband or a wife and wife that know each other. They get to know each other. I mean, I know, you know, I I think I always have wished that every couple when they get together would take pictures of all of their expressions and have a notebook that their partner can reference. This face means this. (laughs) But, you know, women would have a much thicker book. I don't know about that. You don't think? <laughs> it, there's there's more twitches. <laughs> but now I can look at my partner and know exactly what's happening. And it's not an assumption because we've checked it out. I've checked it out. I've asked. I've said, does that face mean this or does it mean that? Well, that's a concept. Actually ask, what does that face mean? <laughs> and getting a real answer. Yeah. All that right. takes both people for sure. We talked about all kinds of cool things. If there's something that you really wanted the listeners to know that I didn't cover, I mean, we didn't talk, we talked about gut brain, but did we really talk about it as much as you felt like we should? We talked about the vagus nerve, but we really didn't talk about it. I mean, I, yeah. I'm i all into detoxing and health, and yes. so that's what I do. Right. So I could talk to you about how to eat right all day long, but how does that affect your emotions? And, you know, that's part of what I'm adding is the mindset piece. Mm-hmm. Um, because if your mindset's not right, you're going to eat the cookie. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to help people with their mindset because they're like, oh, I'm just not really ready to do that right now. And I talked to a woman, for example, last night. She says, oh, I can't do that. Hmm. And in the conversation, she said, I really should eat better. And then in the conversation, she said to me four times, oh, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the conversation, I said, well, I don't think you're ready to get started. And she goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, you told me you can't do that four different times. Exactly. In a five-minute conversation. And she goes, oh, you were listening. <laughs> I was like, that's my job. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's what I do. So it was, you know, it's just really interesting that people just verbally spew what they're exactly where they're at exactly where they're at and don't even realize they're doing it yeah so yeah. what would you want listeners to know that um about gut brain about. specifically gut brain or anything. well i will say i will say a co- just a couple things about gut brain i think it's definitely something to go look up look up and look into um but you know and i'm i'm not a physician so you know i come from kind of speaking from that well, we're not side talking things, about leaky but, gut which a lot of people will confuse that's a big buzzword now is leaky yeah gut, it is it where is. you've got holes in your gut so right. that's what's going on there so right. that's not this but think about it like this i mean you've probably heard of neurotransmitters neurotransmitters so like yes. serotonin yes which is you know happy yes well serotonin is created in your gut not in your brain okay or because somebody out there might say Clearly, that's not right. I'm an MD and I know. It is at least partially produced in the gut. So if your gut is not happy, it's probably not producing so much serotonin. I wonder how much of IBS and all of those yeah. things. I mean, I really, when somebody yeah. says, I have IBS, I'm like, mm, you understood stress maybe? Yeah. I mean, um, it's, so So a few things I would say about that. You know, thing, knowing the word microbiome, Maybe looking into that, what your what the makeup of your gut is. What are what? Are, how's the acid in there? How are all the? How is how is your body using the nutrients or not using the nutrients that you're putting in your body? Sometimes the reasons that we're overweight is because our body isn't using, isn't processing the nutrients. It's blocking them. So I won't get off into that. But things like omega three fatty acids. B's, B vitamins, D's, and magnesium, all of those things really impact our, our mental health. Fiber is important. Fermented things like sauerkraut and things like that can really help 
the the condition of our gut. You know, in in Western society, we are all about the antibiotics, but we're not so much about the probiotics in general. And other countries tend to balance them out. Antibiotics strip the gut. So if you think about, you know, um, if you put the wrong oil in your car, it doesn't operate so great. If you take the oil, if you take the oil out of your car, what happens then? That doesn't work so well. Um, it makes a lot of noise and it stops. That's an interesting parallel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, so neurotransmitters, you know, all of that stuff. I think one of the best things I ever did was I had to take um, anatomy and physiology in school. So I've seen the inside of a body. And it makes a huge difference. So if you haven't watched enough Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> to, Anatomy. To, under, to, to at least have an appreciation for the blood running through and how mm-hmm. water affects the body. I know you talk so much about, you know, drinking your water. Drink your water, people. And all of that. So I just want to kind of just point out that that makes a huge difference. You know, there was something else I wanted to talk about. You and I are both really into essential oils. And there is a, essential oils is another one of those huge buzzwords. Everybody's into it. I know. But in, I mean, for me, originally, my thought process was essential oils are aromatherapy, therapy, Mm -hmm. and they help your emotions and they help you feel good. Your senses. And now it's switched and they're very medicinal and you can yeah. do all, you can heal all kinds of things and you can clean your house with them. But let, you know, now people really don't talk about the emotional aspect of how aromatherapy helps. Mm-hmm. So do you use essential oils in your therapy or is that just something you use in your personal life? Both. Because I'm not cert- feel certified or whatever, I don't use them that much in therapy, especially not topically. That's for somebody who's, you know, way more advanced than where I'm at. I can make suggestions and suggest people go talk to somebody who knows more about what they're doing. But I'll give you one example. So in my trauma group, we were just talking about it last night, how impactful one of the sessions that we use essential oils was. So I usually put, you know, the old film canisters with the the plastic ones. I usually put a cotton ball in there and put a couple of drops and keep a set in my office. And so what I did one night for group for our grounding exercise for kind of getting connected and getting in the room and letting go of the rest of the day, I passed them out and everybody just pick one that smelled good. So then I had them kind of sit quietly and think of something that they may have been through that day that was a little bit distressing, not, not a massive thing, just like somebody cutting them off in traffic or something like that, and to connect to that experience. And then I had them smell the oil really quick and take it away. And what they found was that it blocked the negative feeling immediately. And they actually couldn't quite get back to it until we really like, thought about it for a couple more minutes. Thought stopping or blocking or something like that is a way that you can use oils when you're trying to get off the track of, of a negative feeling, for instance. That's just one example. And olfactory goes straight to our brain. It's the only sense that goes straight to our brain. So that's why aromatherapy can be so powerful. That's just one example of how I might use it. I do suggest people find one that smells good and that they like and carry it with them in a little vial or something. I don't get into talking about, you know, how to take it internally because that's somebody else's bag. But I do use them internally. You do. I had a reflexologist on and we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, that was so good. 
talk about safety. So I'm going to just bring it up again. Um, You know, the reason that we talk about being so careful with taking them internally is because so many people make mistakes and take them wrong and they damage the inside of the body and you Mm -hmm. can't see the inside of your body. So if you don't know what you're doing, don't do Mm -hmm. it. Peppermint. Drop of peppermint is 20 cups of tea. I thought it was 26. Didn't you say 26? 20. Okay. Pretty sure it's 20. Between 20 and 26. (laughs) A lot. It's a lot of cups of tea. It's a lot. More than 10. A few weeks ago, I had like a... I don't know, on the side of my hand, I had a little bit of extra peppermint oil. It got in my eye. That hurts. It was so bad. I had to throw the contacts out. I had to, like, it... It, it melted your contacts? It didn't. It, just, it didn't, it just, but I couldn't use them again. Right, I was afraid to use them again. And, yeah, that and pregnancy, just, just don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's my... <laughs> That is the thought of the day. Claire Atlanta Shrink says, just don't. Get help with that. You know, so talk to somebody that knows what they're doing. And if you're new to essential oils and you love them and somebody sold you a package, which I am very, very into essential oils. So I will not disown them. I will not disown any company. But make sure that the people that you're talking to know what they're talking about. They've done their research. They've done their homework. And they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're not going to hurt you and that the brand that they're using is not going to hurt you. That is my soapbox for this episode. (laughs) I am done now. Okay. So what else did I miss, Claire, that you want to talk about? I mean, uh, we are at, wow, we've been talking for a while. Yeah. We've got a lot of good material to, to put together here. Well, I would just say in general, you know, be concerned about yourself. Know yourself as best as you can. Learn how to speak your needs and your wants, all of that good stuff. And if you don't know how, get some help. None of us went to emotion class or relationship class after English and math. They need to offer that. Please, please, please help us. Relationship yes. class. They are starting to do mental health classes. They're starting to require that um, in middle school. That which is would actually be amazing. a bucket list thing of mine. I want to yeah. do. I want to go into school systems and teach empathy and mm-hmm. anti-bullying. And I mean, they have anti-bullying right. programs. Right. Don't do it. Don't bully. Yeah. You know, ask and tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that so you know when you see on the news and somebody's gone postal. Yeah. And they've killed a bunch of people. That there is such a need to start early. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. so many needs that don't get met in so many homes. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean, it's my personal belief, that doesn't mean that as adults or even if you're 12 and you're hearing this, we're, we all need to become responsible for ourselves and to recognize when we're kind of going off the rails. There's a huge difference between being a victim and a victor. Yeah. And I, yeah. you can choose to be a victim of your past traumas or you can be a victor over them. Mm-hmm. I really really truly believe that yeah and it's much harder when you've been a a true victim of something to to decide to take responsibility for it because there's the the unfairness factor is so huge but that's a yeah exactly um but it is our place to feel good and to help ourselves feel good so one thing i would say about learning about yourself and all of this just keep trying on new things you know, if something doesn't work for you, move on to the next thing. It's like trying to find the best combination for your best mental and emotional health can be like shopping for jeans. Ladies, sorry, men. I was going to say, um, <laughs> you just kind of compared that to clothes. And it I, is. It is like shopping for clothes. It is. Try this on. 
you know, put it aside if it doesn't fit, make some adjustments. That's, when people come to me, I'm supposed to ask the right questions and I'm supposed to help provide options that they can. So I'm supposed to provide options and then people are supposed to apply that to themselves and decide what works for them. I believe that everybody that comes into my office is their own expert of themselves. And I'm there to help walk alongside, shine the flashlight in different places, give options, ask questions, and for them to come to their own conclusion. And that doesn't mean that it's always going to be fun. I'm always going to be kind of pushing. I, I like to say I hold your hand and kick your butt. Oh, it's like taking 16 swimsuits into the dressing room mm -hmm. and trying all of them on. Yep. And it's so unpleasant, but at the end, you're going to have the best looking swimsuit for yep. the whole season. Exactly. And then, then you know there what you to go. look for next time to take the metaphor a little further. So I'm going to have a, yeah, that's always 16 swimsuits for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, um, thank you very much for this yes. interview, Claire. It was so much fun. After, I knew it would be. after knowing you for over a decade, it's great to, to decade, connect in this right. in this forum and in this way and to see where we each are now. That is awesome. All right. Yeah, I didn't realize it it has been. It's yeah. probably been I have two thousand seven in my head for some reason. Thank you. Thank you. All right, this is Cindy Pitts Gilbert. This is the Dear Sister Know It All podcast. Thank you for being listeners today. If you need help, get help. Claire Horner. Atlanta Shrink. Her information, it will be on my website, but she is located at 2751 Buford Highway Northeast, Suite 700, Atlanta, Georgia 30324. Her phone number is 404-277-6631. Thanks, Claire. You're welcome. Have a good day, everybody.